Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host KB, and this podcast brings you the audio experience of GameDev.TV. Now, let's get right into the podcast. So yeah, so let's just introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are, and we'll go from there. Uh, yeah, I'm Liz Bialko. I am a level designer, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, so my name's Liz Bialko. I'm a level designer, worked at Obsidian Entertainment, uh, worked at Naughty Dog for a couple of years, um, and now I'm working at a studio with, like, a bunch of, like, my former classmates out of college, so working on a game with them. Um, so, yeah, that's what I do. I'm curious. So, how did you get started? Like, was it just right into college? You like, I want to be a game designer. Um, when I when I first started college, they had kind of a game design minor available. Um, and at the time, I was a film production major, and I kind of considered like I was like game design sounds like or like it was kind of like game development. So I was like that sounds like a fun thing to do. Um, because like we had to take a minor of like some sort. So I was like, seems like a cool one. So I started doing that. Um, and it ended up just kind of being where I dumped more of my time in college. Um, Mm -hmm. like I liked developing games more than I like being on set or doing film stuff. So that's kind of what I stuck with after I graduated. Nice. What, what, What made you so interested in game design? Um, I think for me, it's like a combination of two things. Um, one is it, I feel like it uses like every part of my brain. So mm-hmm. it kind of like engages like the technical aspects of like programming and um, solving kind of like these technical issues. And then it's also like engages like the art side to like mm-hmm. make things look nice. Um, and then engages like kind of the storytelling side of like making sure that like stuff hits emotionally and you can like communicate things to an audience. Um, so I liked it for that reason. And then the other part of it was uh, compared to film, it seemed like there was still a lot of like unanswered questions, a lot of um, uh, a lot of stories and a lot of like interesting interactions hadn't really been explored yet in games. Um, and they still haven't really been explored yet in games. So it seems like it's kind of like new territory where there's like a lot of opportunity to kind of like find interesting stuff to work on. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, there's, there's a lot of games, especially nowadays. With the yeah. quality and the storytelling, like Naughty Dog. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Now, what would you, advice would you give for someone starting out and being like, hey, I want to be a game designer? And then what's the process like? Did you become really good at programming, drawing, modeling? Like, how does that work for you? Um, I think with game design in particular, you can kind of, like, start sort of anywhere in terms of, like, what, like like specific skill you specialize in. Cause like, I, I am like a pretty good, like artist, um, like as, like other than game development stuff, I was really working on like doing like storyboards in college. Um, uh, and you can also kind of start from like the programming side. The biggest difference though, is like ultimately, like if you want to be a designer as opposed to a programmer or an artist, you really have to be thinking about like the player's experience and mm-hmm. um, whether or not you're communicating like the information that they need. Um, uh, so I think for me, like the, my biggest recommendation is always just like make games, like make really small games, make games, like make like weekend game jam games. Yeah. Like uh, it's, like, don't try to make your magnum opus. Like, you've got plenty of time for that. Yeah. Just, like, make, <laughs> make Pong. Make, like, a better version of Pong. Like, um, I think that's probably the best place to start. And then get other people to play it because you'll learn a lot about not just, like, the whole, like, technical side of, like, learning how to, like, put a game together from start to finish, but you'll also learn, like, how people react to different things and, like, what kind of knobs you have available to sort of, like, tune whatever you're making. Yeah, by the way, we're laughing because last week we recorded an episode called Don't Make Wow, which is about not trying to make, well, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's, it's a prevalent uh, uh, mindset, I guess. Like, I do talk to a lot of, like, if I talk to students and they're like, they tell me, like, their game idea or whatever, I'm like, 
that'll be awesome when you're 45 <laughs> like for now for yeah. now just make something really really small um and it can be original in a cool way but honestly like just just the technical aspect of like trying to get everything like working is already so hard in games like 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 rein in your ambition and then kind of build from there yeah there's which is like yeah, something that it's like kind of a bummer thing to hear, but it's like I have to learn how to like like type on a typewriter before you can like write a novel. Yeah, there's a reason that that in programming courses you start with like, yeah, you make Hello World, and then you make something with loops, and like yes, people give you a script. You don't make things up in your first class. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, no, I think copying games. Um, is like a really, really useful exercise when you're just starting out. Like, like make a version of tic-tac-toe, make a version of Pong, make a version of Pac-Man, something that like you kind of already know like what your limitations are. I think that's like a really good place to start. Mm -hmm. You know, I agree. And also if we want to get into like the psychology of it, it's like when you have such a big goal, your brain is like, oh, it's unachievable, so it prevents you from even going. It's like, ah, oh, you can't do it. Yes. Let's not waste the energy on it. So it's just like, pick something small. And be like, okay, I want to do this, and then, and even if you do a big project, pick a small goal. Be like, all right, I want to build. Let's say, you want to make an RPG. Let me build a shooting mechanics. Let me build opening doors and closing doors. Let me build this thing. And that way, your brain's like, okay, we can do this. This is possible. Not be like, oh, let's yeah. make wow. And then you're like, where do I start? Where do I go? <laughs> Yeah, you, don't know. Yeah. you can apply principles of like Scrum to your personal projects and it actually works. Yes. Um, and another thing too is like when you kind of do a small project um, and you end on doing like the whole thing, um, you also get a much better idea of what you actually like to do. Um, mm -hmm. Because like there's a lot of parts of the process of game like developing a game. Um, there's a lot of disciplines to learn. So if you're doing something smaller with like a small team, um, you kind of have to wear every hat. And like it's kind of, it's a good opportunity to kind of try on every hat and be like, hey, I like I really liked animating, um, and I, I poured like so much more time into animating to like get it right. And then I just kind of like futzed around with like what all the power ups and everything were. Well, like maybe you're better off being like a technical animator or an animator than like a designer. If you're like, like dunking all your time into like making a gazillion different power ups, like maybe you're a systems designer. But if you're like putting all of those in levels and like building lots of different worlds, like maybe you're more inclined to do level design. Um, I think it's like a good way to sort of like kind of just, it's like a low pressure way to kind of figure out like, uh, what you just like naturally are inclined to like experiment more with and like uh, like driven to mess around with. Mm -hmm. And you went to school for game design. Now, do you think it's important for someone to go to school for that? Um, not necessarily. Um, I think so. I I did a minor in game design, so I I majored in. Uh, digital art so that was really more like focused on like while I was in school I was assuming that I would end up doing like animation industry stuff um, uh, but yeah I don't think it's I think like it's useful to go to school to and with like the intention of getting like a, like a trade skill I guess so if like you go to school, like, like learn to be an artist or learn to be like a programmer. Um, whether that's like a game design specific major, I don't think that's quite as important. Um, I don't know, it's changing quite a lot because like now there's like more schools that are available because I went to school mm -hmm. like 10 years ago. <laughs> um, uh, and then like, I, it also just depends on the school. Like I teach like at, Nomen, or I, I taught at Nomen like last year, um, and uh, they're definitely like vocational focused. Um, so they're trying to like prepare people for like specific jobs in the industry, um, yeah. which I think that that can definitely be valuable. Um, Nomen's really nice. I went there, checked it out, went to that break yeah. into the game industry event. So nice. So yeah, much it's a, information. I was like, wow. Awful. Yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. And they, they hold people to like high standards and stuff like that. 
Um, mm -hmm. Ultimately, though, when I was in school, like, I learned more about programming, like, just trying to, like, make a little text-based game, like, over the summer than I did during, like, my actual programming classes, because that was just, like, I needed to get, like, I needed to, like, figure out how to, like, solve problems, and, like, mm -hmm. I wasn't getting that in classes, so I think it kind of just depends. Um, no matter what, I think it's worthwhile to, like, try to, like, make games in your, like, free time. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I think that'd be smart. Go to school for programming, but do games on the side. Probably be, yeah. Maybe much better. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty now, funny, I guess. Yeah. Now I'm curious, what was it like working at ID Dog? Uh, it was it was crazy. It was like a crazy learning experience. Um, I was there for like I shipped Uncharted Four while I was there. Um. Uh, so that was like super exciting. Um, yeah, they really taught me like how to like raise the bar over there of like what to expect of like my own work and like other people's work. Um, and they also expected like a lot of leadership from like individuals there. So that was really cool. Um, it was a cool like kind of change of pace um, where uh it even though it was like kind of a large studio it had like i don't want to say like a small studio feel but like there's like so much communication like between like departments and everything like that um uh so yeah that was awesome like uncharted 4 was like a really cool experience yeah i love it <laughs> yeah all the games in make is so cool i'm excited for last of us 2 whenever it comes out <laughs> Yeah, it's like currently what like delayed indefinitely. It's delayed indefinitely. Like coronavirus yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then I heard that they're doing talks about like it coming out just digitally, so which I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. I I mean like I haven't been there in like a year and a half or anything like yeah. that. But my guess is like I mean if they're gonna do a worldwide release, like I'm sure like right now like manufacture like physical manufacturing is still like a huge part of like uh their process like to oh, get yeah 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 but um, considering, that's all kind of like shut down considering they're thinking of releasing uh it's the new mutants the movie Which one? It, the uh, there's an, a mutants movie coming out this year and they're thinking of going straight to digital yeah, yeah. I think, I how that's and work. games are way more used to that. Gamers overall. Yeah, yeah. 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 It could change everything. It's coronavirus is changing everything. It's it's weird. Like I mean, there was always like kind of an, an assumption too while we were working there because like it's same deal. Like it's such a big release. Like you kind of forget that like the audience is like so large. Like there is some percentage of the audience that like don't have internet for their PlayStation 4. Um, so like that, like it's, yeah, it gets complicated. Like that, that's kind of like why like day one patches can be difficult or things like that. Cause like, it's like this like assumption of like, oh, like that means like, it's just not gonna be available for some people. So mm -hmm. I'm sure they're trying to make it as accessible as possible under the circumstances. Yeah, there's also marketing, right? Some stuff is not doable right now. Yeah, yeah sure. It's weird. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I saw somebody post. They were like, they were mad at Night Dog, and I was like, all right, like I get they might have some issues with some things, but it's a pandemic. Relax, like, <laughs> yeah, calm down. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. The game because they delayed the Black Widow movie. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's gonna be one of those things that like affects everyone in crazy ways. Um, and then yeah. you also worked the Obsidian, right? What game did yeah. you work on over there? Um, while I was there, um, I worked on one of their canceled projects. That's kind of like where I started. And then, um, uh, and then I ended up working on South Park Stick of Truth. And then uh, I worked on Pillars of Eternity. And then um, I worked on Tyranny for like just a couple months before I left. Mm. Carter loves South Park. He hasn't played it, but he wants to. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I have a problem. I don't play single player games, but I love them. <laughs> it's like if if you're a fan of the show, you can you'll be a fan of the game. Like it has like a lot of the same tone. Yeah, I I saw some let's play. Yeah, it looks. Yeah, it was it was pretty fun. Like shortly after it released, like we my friends and I happened to be like at like a convention and like, it was like, I don't know, like one in the morning or something like that. And they were doing like a, like let's play of South Park stick of truth. So we like sat in the back and like, it was really fun to like see an audience, like laugh at the game that we had seen like a million times. Cause like at a certain point, it's just like, you're numb to it. Cause like you, mm-hmm. after you heard a joke like 50 times or like if it's bugged, like 50 times badly delivered, you're like, or whatever um so it was really fun to like watch other people like kind of see it for the first time mm-hmm. yeah that's something that's very interesting on of working in the entertainment industry that you get to see people enjoy the, your work overall okay. yeah that is definitely one of the things that makes it all like worth it for sure yeah because like, well, I, 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 so, yeah so I, I don't work with games right i'm just a regular programmer and just seeing mm-hmm. someone use your software is already super awesome. And then, yeah, transfer that to a, a game that people are doing for fun, not for work. And Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's cool. And, like, um, it's cool to see people play the final product. But, like, as a designer, like, um, we also do, like, a lot of play testing, like, while we're still working on it. Um, and that's super valuable. Um, because like uh, it's kind of like how we hammer out a lot of problems early on. Um, and it's also like a way that we can kind of like step outside of ourselves and like what our assumptions are and like really see what how people react to stuff. Um, and it's it's not so much like, do they think it's good? Do they think it's bad? Like a lot of the like real problems that we have to solve are like, do they even understand enough to make like good decisions like within the game? Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably like the biggest thing that like we do, like that process of like make changes, play test it, kind of evaluate like where things went awry and then like make changes again. That's like the meat and potatoes of my job. Nice. And then what yeah. is the like process working in a AAA environment for doing like game design? Is it like, you know, today we're gonna focus on like how we're gonna design this part or is it like, how does the process work? Um, I think, I mean, it really depends on the studio. So like, Mm -hmm. I can't really speak for like all studios, but in general, I would say like the larger the studio gets, um, the more, uh, the more they kind of like distribute responsibilities among more people. So like, if you're right now, I'm at a very small studio. So we only have like three designers. Um, and so like each one of us has like a significant number of levels that we're sort of responsible for um and uh significant numbers of like systems that we're responsible for um versus like at a larger studio like i might be responsible for like two levels um but um the expectations for polish would be like a lot higher so um that's that's kind of like the trade-off i guess um uh and then like other departments like same sort of deal like are you animating everything that the player character does or are you animating like only the melee combat that the player does are you animating like only like like there's like all these kind of ballooning features that get added in like larger games um so it's like there's going to be like the ledge climb guy there's going to be like the like gunplay guy there's going Mm -hmm. to be the like swimming guy um versus like a smaller studio where you're kind of like the everything guy Mm, (laughs) and then so i'm trying to say more of the process so it's like do you get like a script you're like this is how the level is supposed to be this is what the characters are going to say this is what they programmed and then you go in there and build it or uh yeah so with level design i usually call it like storyboarding for games um and because we're sort of responsible for like taking like the initial kind of concept of like what this like space is supposed to be and what's supposed to happen in it and we start actually translating that into like 
tangible, like real spaces with like real interactions that you can like actually just like you can experience. Um, but like we're doing it with all these like temporary assets and like mm. just trying to like cobble something together to sort of like give you the vibe of what the game's going to be. And then once it's good, then we start working with other team members to sort of like bring it up to finished quality. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so usually I don't even know, it, we, I wouldn't even call it necessarily a script that we start with. It's usually more like an outline, like, all right, character needs to like start here. They need to end here. And in between they need to like fight some of this or like do a puzzle or like, you know, go into a cave or whatever the, whatever needs to happen for the story. Um, uh, and then, yeah, so, and then I just like kind of like work on building out the space to like meet like the logistical concerns and then also like the emotional concerns. Cause like I primarily work on narrative games. So it's also important to know like kind of like where the character's head is at and like what they should be sort of like feeling in this moment. There's like a big difference between like a hallway where you are like lost and confused versus like a hallway leading up to a big boss fight. And I'm going to like build those two spaces slightly different. Um, nice. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. <laughs> mm -hmm. no, yeah, cause I do There's a like a lot of tedium that goes like on like in between that stuff. But <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And then uh, like for instance, say Uncharted 4, what was like one thing you worked on? Um, I was the designer on the two flashback levels. That was like my thing. So anything with like kid kid Drake is like my boy. Yeah. Like I did all the it's kid Drake boy. stuff. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And then when you do like puzzles and stuff, do you like research puzzles? Do you come up with your puzzle? Or do you like have like people, like really smart people come and be like, hey, this is how we're gonna get them? <laughs> um frankly, like I my like like every designer has their strengths. Like my strength is like not necessarily like like really puzzling puzzles. No, um uh so usually like if i have to do something like that i'll like find a team member who's like really good at them and like see if they have any like cool ideas that couldn't fit in any of their spaces um that's like the benefit of like working with a team mm -hmm. um uh other than that usually i try to like make it i guess barring that my strength lies more in trying to figure out, like, I really like character relationships and I really like um, uh, kind of building that through interaction. So um, usually um, as I'm kind of like building out a level, I'm trying to like um, uh, find interesting beats where um, we can kind of reveal something about the character's relationship or like about the character themselves mm -hmm. um, and like trying to find those like opportunities for them to like work together um, or things like that. So you'll see that a lot more in like the, like even the stuff that I don't uncharted that, that kind of like highlights kind of like what I like to do anyway. Like there's much, it was like really important for instance, that um, the player liked Sam in the orphanage level because, like, no, we were kind of, like, retconning some stuff. Like, we were kind of like, by the way, he had a brother this whole time who's, like, really cool and you should like him. Um, <laughs> and which is, like, kind of a, a risky kind of narrative thing to do. So um, it was really important that we, like, I focus on, like, lots of interactions with them together where like Sam like helps you boost up things or um, does something really cool and you like can almost do the cool thing that he can do um, and sort of like build like that relationship where you like really look up to him and you think he's awesome um, and like he kind of enables your like sort of wild side. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that that is like a roundabout way to say that I've don't do very many puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great way. <laughs> but uh, so, like, you build a level, right? Then later on, they come in and put all the assets, like, they get artists to build the buildings and all that stuff. Like, how do you feel after that when you see your level be, like, polished and beautiful? 
Uh, it's really cool. Like, I mean, there's a lot of steps in between like the finished product and, and the block out that I do. Um, but it's always super cool to like, see that like first pass of art come in and like really, it makes it look like a video game, like, as opposed to like, just kind of like a trial space or something. Um, so that's always super exciting, like first passive art. Um, uh, at the same token though, there is like always like a little bit of friction between level designers and environment artists. Like environment artists, I love them because they like make everything look gorgeous. Um, yeah. But also uh, there's always just like some kind of like headbutting because like level designers, we tend to like things like really, really clean um, and clear for like gameplay reasons. And environment artists like obviously want things to look like really, really nice. So like there's always like some back and forth between like making things look natural versus like making things clear clear for the player. So there's like once stuff kind of goes to art, my job becomes uh, a little less like storyboarding and a more like just kind of like hammering through things and like making sure that everything is still like really easy to play. Um, even even with like the the more detailed art. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah. Now, what's one of your favorite games and why? Oh, gosh. Um, I've got, like, a bunch of different kinds of answers for this. Um, I think, like, from, like, a level design perspective, I really like Return of the Obra Dinn. They do, like, a... Uh, a lot of like really cool reveals in that game um especially since like you have such like this like limited space and like there's not much motion that goes on or anything like that um but they do like some really cool stuff with like sight lines that really make like the experience of that game like your experience of that game um as opposed to um I would say like that's kind of like on the flip side of like sort of Naughty Dog's approach where it's like very, very cinematic where like the designer has got kind of a heavy hand in like how we want you to experience it. Oberdin kind of like sets sets a stage and then like lets the player discover like everything kind of on their own terms, um, which makes it feel more like a very like first person sort of experience. Um, so I think that's super cool. Um, uh, I mean, like. I play like a bunch of like Red Dead Redemption. It's just like gorgeous. Mm. I love that game. Yeah. The whole time I'd just be hearing like, it's okay, boy. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> the only thing that bothered me about that game was the nonstop traveling. At one point I was like, dang, I'm just on a whole horse for like 10 minutes. <laughs> the, the... Yeah, I as much as like I play it a bunch, like there's a lot about that game that like bothers me, like from a design perspective. Um, yeah. You gotta name one. <laughs> Say what? Oh, I said you gotta name one at least. Gotta throw some shade. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, I mean, I think I think the biggest one for me is like it kind of feels like two two mindsets where like you have like the like sort of like open world like exploration and like collecting stuff and everything like that, that's like its own game almost where like you can sort of like problem solve and like come up with like, like your own sort of um, uh, like techniques to like do like all like this sort of like free open sort of like stuff. Like it's like, okay, like I need to go mm -hmm. like deliver this guy to a town. I can kind of do that any way I want. Um, versus like the missions are like they're closer to like what Naughty Dog does where it's like very very heavy-handed where the, like the designer like is like you have to do it this way or else <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I think like the, the 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 clash between those like two styles like um, I would have liked I would have liked to see like more integration where like what you do in like the open world affects the way the stories play out and the way that the stories play out affects what you do in the open world a little bit more and like have a little bit more symmetry between uh, the way you play those two, two kind of like modes. Like yeah. Yeah. Wow. And do you think there's examples of a game that did that perfectly or at least like tried to better than Red Dead? Um, let's see. 
Um, it's hard to say because there's not that many games that have that scale where it's like two gigantic games kind of like sandwiched together. Usually games just yeah, like yeah. one game. I never got super into The Witcher, but I have heard that that is a really <laughs> good game. Um, yeah, you know, I was the same way. It took me forever to get into it. I played but the first I did, chapter of the first one. Uh, honestly, I usually only have like maybe like one like really big game in me like per year. Um, I try to I play more like small games, um, mm -hmm. get the full experience no, makes sense. in less time. Um, I, I did I did as far as like actually I ended up playing Vampire um, like. That, that game, I think, did, a, like, a pretty cool job of sort of, like, tying together, like, so that one had kind of two modes where it was, like, um, there was, like, a lot of, like, conversations that you were having with people, and there was also, like, this sort of, like, combat and exploration, um, and that one tied together in a really interesting way um, where the more you kind of like talk to people and had these conversations and engaged with the NPCs, like the more they would be like, they would like keep the sort of like district healthy and the more um, they would be worth if you were to like eventually eat them. Um, and then uh, the combat kind of pushed you into like needing to get like really, like needing to get experience. So you were always like tempted to eat some of these NPCs you get to know. Um, so I thought that was That's like kind of a cool dilemma. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it ended up, it ended up actually like giving you a really like, they, they definitely had like in their conversation systems, a couple of like the sort of like Bioware style, like choose one path, choose another path. But they also, also because you could kind of like, eat anyone at any time you also kind of like had this like really cool like analog way to sort of like split the story where you were like well like i'm feeling like i don't want to grind out a bunch of experience right now so i could just eat this guy i don't like and it felt like a very like i don't know it was like a cool way to do that without like presenting you with a menu or something like that mm -hmm. that's cool yeah uh, probably i have my those games is like forever right so like, you're losing a character so in the end i just don't do it at all <laughs> yeah um yeah they did they kind of tried to rec reconcile that a little bit by like if you if you kind of like maxed out a character it really did feel like you kind of had all the interactions you were going to have with them um so you didn't feel like you were necessarily like losing content they also made a number of their NPCs like pretty unlikable. So like you're like, okay, I can eat them. They're a jerk. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a cool way that they sort of like kind of jived everything together. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Now I'm curious, what's your least favorite game? Um, gosh. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I have like a least favorite like overall. There's like stuff that I that are in games that like have like genuinely frustrated me um, from like a design perspective. Um, probably like one of the ones I can think of was like towards the end of like Fable Three. It was like extremely unclear like when you were like jumping forward in time and everything like that. So that was kind of a failure on their end to like sort of communicate to the player what the like they are putting all this weight on like the repercussions of your actions, but then not communicating like when you could make those decisions and how it would affect things. So that that was that was a tough thing. That was definitely for me. That was I think I played that while I was still in college. So that for me it was like definitely a learning experience of like, oh, okay, this is like why it's important to like just be super clear with like um, uh, what's happening in your game. Um, so the player can make informed decisions. No, I agree. And going back to working in AAA studios, what are the skills that like a game designer needs to know? Because I know you can make your own indie game by messing around and making small games, but what is like, I'm ready to work at a studio? 
definitely emotional maturity. <laughs> okay. um, that, really I bad? Think like people don't have that? <laughs> I mean, I think that's probably one of the bigger reasons why um, I th I, that is that is like a, a way to definitely keep yourself employed is like if you can work with other people, like um, be someone that other people can work with, um, uh, knowing like when to take responsibility to stuff, knowing how to communicate what you need when you need it in a, like a professional way is extremely important. Um, the biggest things that like cause problems in studios is like when people don't talk to each other, that's like, that's like, that it's happens. Like and it's disaster, like, yeah, yeah, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's um, a so big if you want to make stuff happen, you have to be able to talk to people. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a problem with IT in general. Yeah. Nerds are kind of antisocial. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a um, like a, a stereotype for that. Um, and I think it's like pretty damaging, um, honestly, uh, that the stereotype is like, oh, well, like, I'm just going to be like a computer person and just like I only robots get me. Um, I think that uh, <laughs> Uh, no, I think it is. It's like a it's a damaging thing when you when you, your goals are to work in a team environment, like um, you're not going to be just interacting with the computer. It's going to be extremely important to make sure that like like even the stuff that you're programming, it's like going to be really important that it's like clear and commented and like something that other people can like use. Um, so uh, always like keeping other people in mind, like both like at your studio and then also your audience is like super critical, super duper critical. You can be like a genius game designer, um, genius game programmer, genius artist, um, but you won't be able to work in a studio if like nobody can stand you. <laughs> no, I agree. I just don't understand why it happens sometimes. It's like, we're a team, let's work together. Let's forget all the crap. Yeah. But some people just can't, and it surprises me. I'm like, all right. Yeah, I think a lot of people think it's a, um, it's just like a personality trait. Like, you're like mm -hmm. either social or antisocial. Um, I think it's like, it can be really like a learned thing for sure. Yeah, it, yeah totally. It can be like a s skill to practice of just yeah. like skill to like talk to other people, skill to like ask for what you need, a skill to like, take the time to like look at yourself and like question your own like motivation for stuff. And yeah, I think it, it's definitely learnable. Uh, I wish that it was taught in a class. It would be cool. Yeah, maybe. I think YouTube has tons of videos now. You can find self-development yeah. people and everything. Every walk to life, you'll find someone being like, I can help you just buy my course. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Like really? But um, what was one of your like biggest? Actually, no. Wait, let's go back to. So, what else besides the emotional maturity? What would like, like when it comes to like, when are your skills ready? Is it like when you can draw stuff? When you can explain design? Like when is it like ready beyond the maturity? Um, I mean, for me, I think it's like when you can, um like process feedback into improvements. I think from there, you the sky's the limit of like what you can do. Um, because like, uh, if it's, I would, like I would rather work with someone who, um, uh, are you guys there? You guys both froze. Oh, well, I'm yeah. gonna... okay. okay, cool. <laughs> um, uh, I would rather work with someone who um, can take feedback and like learn from it and like continue to grow than um, than work with someone who is like super duper talented already um, but can't take direction or feedback um, because every project's different and like you're always gonna have to like steer for whatever reason like make compromises and like get the game done. So um, yeah, I think like learning how to take feedback 
um, and turn it into like tangible improvements. I think mm -hmm. that's a big one. And then what do you do most of the time? Is it like storyboard? Is it level design? Is it programming? Is it, is it a combination of all that? What do you feel like you spend most of your time on? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm like a level designer by trade, so I do mostly level okay. design. Um, okay. So I split kind of my time between um, doing like low poly geometry, like constructing just like physical spaces um, okay. and doing some like scripting. So it's like scripting is like programming light basically usually games like have like a slightly different scripting engine than like the programming engine um uh so the interactions of like setting up like what unlocks what when like triggering cutscenes, all that kind of stuff uh is other stuff that i set up as well so time is usually split kind of 50 50 between that and then uh and then, yeah, frankly, it's like also just like a lot of meetings and communication and like talking to other departments to make sure that like we're not building something that can't be finished. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah. I heard that <laughs> a lot of like stuff happened and then they were like, just kidding, wipe it away. And it's like, it's yeah. gone. Yeah. That's a uh, huge failure right there. Yeah, it's tough. It's super tough. Mm hmm. Now, what was your biggest career mistake and what did you learn from it? If you have one. I don't know if I like consider like anything like a career like mistake. Because um, even, even like unpleasant experiences, like I feel like I've like learned from. Um, so I wouldn't want to like not do that. Um, and I try not to act in a way that I would regret. So like, oh, I don't best have life. any regrets. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. There you go. When you learn. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I would if I would say like I had like a career mistake. Yeah, I feel like I feel like life. if anything, it was like super when I was like way back in college trying to like apply for internships and I, I probably sent out like half a dozen really embarrassing cover letters um, being just like, yeah, it, it was like, it was a turning point for me at least to like realize like a cover letter is not about how much I want the job. It is about how much I will like make their lives easier if they only hired me. Um, so like everything I sent out before that turning point, maybe that's like a career mistake. But I'm glad I I'm I wasn't ready for those jobs, so I guess it worked out. <laughs> good too. So yeah, you're like, all right. Let's yeah, yeah. Now, what do most people get wrong when they like get started in the industry? And you're like, all right, I finished learning this stuff. I feel like I'm ready. What are the What are the mistakes they make on the way to be working at a studio? Um. that's interesting like where people make the mistakes i guess like if they're i guess if like we're looking at the gap between like getting your education and then like getting a job um i probably would say a huge mistake is those like initial cover letters um uh yeah like it and it's like super hard, like when you're when you're really looking for work to like um, to to kind of approach it from like a like I can help you mentality because like you're looking for help. Um, but it's like really critical to like put that foot forward because if if there's a job posting somewhere, it's because the people there are in some way suffering. Um, uh, because of like overwork, because of like a lack of expertise. Um, so, um, understanding that, that there are like human beings who are putting out this job posting because they're struggling with something and writing your cover letter to that, to be like, Hey, like, like, uh, I already know this program. I can really like help you. I'm great at like taking direction. Like, like I can ease some of this burden. Um, uh, I think we'll get people more attention than, 
um, coming at it from like, it's my dream to work in games like this. I can learn so much from this job. They're like, I'm not here to teach you. I'm not here to make your dreams come true. I'm here because we're trying to get a game done and I need someone who can help. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. Yeah. And then I, th- I think on the flip side too, like carrying that mindset forward of being like, hey, like your other team members are people like who have their own problems and like are struggling with something also just makes you like a more generous and like helpful person to be around, which is also just really critical to like working well with a, a team. Yeah. And actually, I saw this cool uh, tweet you retweeted, but like, I want to ask you that too. What is your like top game development tip of the millennium? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that it retweeted it because I like agree with it. I mean, no, it was pretty it was much great, like, though. yeah, like be willing to learn, be generous with your time. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and uh, uh, yeah, like, yeah, be helpful and open minded and uh, all that stuff will like not only not only make you like a better designer, but like um, it'll just like make you like like happier in the job, <laughs> I guess, too. Yeah. And a better person, <laughs> Yeah, kind, exactly. humble. Nothing really makes you mad. You're like, you know, yeah. life is good. I think everybody should be like that. Yeah, yeah. Be better relations, a better work environment overall. It's yeah, one thing that and in, one thing that is kind of better world. <laughs> one thing that is kind of nice about games is like it. It's really cool to have like such a cool impact on people, but I also like at the end of the day, it's like. Um, like maintaining some perspective to be like it is just a game like is still kind of like always like present so like um uh yeah i I try not to get like too like worked up about like just the the tdm that comes up and everything like that yeah He's always like, we're working on games. Let's have fun. Like, we're making yeah, games. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, like, it's like all those milk yeah. commercials where it's like, happy cows make happy milk. Happy devs make, mm-hmm. make happy games. Exactly. Yeah, come on. Yeah. I, I, work in a, I work making software for the insurance industry, and we have that mentality. You can have that with games as well. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it can be tough to do, like, like, tough to make games. So, like, yeah. Like you definitely don't want to make it tough and stressful. Yeah. It's like it, the interpersonal stress will get you like much, much harder than just like the technical stress of like putting it all together. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the hardest things overall in life is uh, realizing you're in an altered state of mind. Like you're stressed. Don't yeah. Go pick up a fight or something. Just relax. Yeah, yeah. Have a beer. Like stop and have a beer. <laughs> Go get for a sure, cup of coffee. Sure. I don't know. Uh, you lost five games in a row. Time to, you know, take a break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, One like, of my it's friends like, usually says it's getting the lead. That's like the, the perfect example, right? Is like if you like play a boss fight like 20 times in a row and can't beat it, like you know it's time to like go to bed and try it again the next day. Um, and no, then like you'll beat I, it I, on like I'm your staying up. <laughs> No, no, no. If you go to bed, if you go to bed and you come back the next day, you'll beat it on the first yeah. or second time, guaranteed. Yeah, it doesn't have to be in God of War. I couldn't beat the last fight today, actually. And he was talking about how uh, he actually started tracking his win rates based on uh, the game he was playing. So his win rate in the first game of the day, the second game of the day, the third game of the day. It's always higher in the first few yeah yeah large margin yeah no and then i think i think the same is like for like productivity as well so it's like it's like if you feel stuck on something then like um your brain does need to like take a break and like leave it for a little while and then come back to it and like you'll see it from like a different perspective and you'll probably break through it pretty quickly um uh, but yeah, it's definitely like a discipline thing to like learn how to do that and like recognize the signs, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I lost count of the number of times I was in the shower and realized something I was working on for like five hours. Yeah, exactly. Shower does wonders. You're like in there for a couple minutes, you're like, wow, 
Should I just in the shower instead of spending ten hours trying to do this? Whatever. Or, or lying in bed. Like, yeah, I always. Yeah, that's too. At least once a week, I send me an email with a solution to a problem I had during the day. From yeah, bed. yeah. That's yeah. the worst too. Is like you spend so much time like trying to solve something, and then you're like, all right, let me just go to sleep, and you get to bed, and you're like, but now I know how to do it, and I'm ready. And it's like, oh no, but I need to sleep. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I have yeah. to note it down. Always yeah. note it down. Note it down. <laughs> Don't run the risk of forgetting the morning. Yeah. Because it does happen. No. Uh, for in some inspiration for some people aspiring. But uh, so you became president, right, of Fall Streak Studios? How did that all happen? Oh, I mean, that, that's that pretty was, awesome. And I, that's because, like, we founded the studio. I mean, it, we never really got too much, like, off the ground. We, like, ran a Kickstarter. Yeah. That's still, um, it's still official, kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, like, an official company and everything like that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that was, like, right out of school. We had a game that won, like, this, like, award, like, a regional, like, IEEE award. And uh, it seemed pretty cool. So we... Um, uh, like we all still had like day jobs and stuff, but we uh, we like raised the money on Kickstarter, like finished it. It took us much longer than we were expecting because like shipping a whole game takes a while, and we were doing it on like nights and weekends. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, I don't think we. I think we like we essentially like broke even. Um, like we raised just enough money to like sort of like pay for the development of it. Mm -hmm. um uh but it was like an awesome learning experience like i learned so much about like just like business stuff and um like yeah like managing a team and like more of like an official capacity um yeah i learned a lot about like my own like habits like my work habits and like um things like that so definitely same deal like i don't regret any of it even though it didn't really like it wasn't like minecraft or anything like that um <laughs> but it was cool. So cool it was a cool experience i want the pillow the axle pillow oh yeah they're super cute <laughs> <laughs> my friend like only made a couple of them but yeah oh my God, they're yeah, perfect they're so cute. yeah and then i see you did the ted talk how was that was that was that scary was yeah. that fun like have you know the sims where like they have to increase like their charisma by like standing in front of a mirror and talking for hours did you do that yeah i did that like the day before that talk that's pretty um, awesome. yeah <laughs> it was cool um yeah same deal it was like i was like kind of like right out of school so uh yeah, it was cool to, like, have a platform to sort of, like, talk about stuff that was important to me. I think that was, like, the neatest thing for me. Yeah. Still be yeah. Tech, tech talk. Yeah. <laughs> moves. I feel like I recently did a talk at, like, Glitch City. It was, like, a super quick one. Um, but that was exciting because I got to talk about, like, machine learning and, like, mm -hmm. using machine learning in video games. Um, uh, and just changing the way we think about... Uh, the way we interact with machine learning right now, it's mostly based on uh, like a agent will like sort of like watch what you do, like watch your patterns um, and then kind of everyone's patterns together and then try to make assumptions based off of that. Um, and I'm more of a proponent of kind of opening up the door to like communicating back and forth. Um, uh, so it's, directly soliciting you for information um, and then only using that information. So it's like a little bit more of like a consent driven, like data gathering ex experience. Um, and then on the flip side, also um, communicating better back to the person interacting with AI. So to communicate like whether or not it is really, really confident in an answer, whether or not it's like unsure about answers um, and uh, yeah, like finding, I think like it becomes like a, a much more like natural interaction, I think, than trying to teach or like trying to present artificial intelligence, like machine learning algorithms as like some kind of like Oracle where it's like, mm -hmm. oh, just like 
ask it anything and it'll like give you like the correct answer. It's like, that's not really how they work. So we shouldn't treat them that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You think the AI are going to take over the world? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I think, I think we're already seeing the signs of people finding the way they've been implemented currently extremely unpleasant. Um, and I think that the buck will stop relatively soon with that kind of implementation because it's creating a lot of social problems and people frankly don't like it like in terms of privacy in terms of like what it assumes that you're doing and like all this kind of stuff um so i think the buck will stop there like at some point or or people will move away from it um and i'd, I'd much rather see like a situation where we use it collaboratively um where it's like a uh, it's more suited to be a really highly specialized assistant than it is to be a autonomous sort of like like a calculator or something like that. Like um, internet, yeah. Yeah, like um, if you imagine like having like a like a, if you if you were to have like a like assistant like an employee to like help you with your job you would still expect to need to check in with them like 20 percent of the time or like you would expect them to like have questions that you would answer right and you would expect over time they would have like fewer and fewer questions right that's really how ai actually works so the fact that it's not in, like that's not the interaction that we've set up for them is like really bizarre to me because that's that's what's happening under the hood. I love it. Yeah. And uh, I was curious, do you think it's the person who's most talented or person who works the hardest that you've seen become successful around you? Most talented or works the hardest? Yeah, like someone maybe isn't as talented, but they end up working super hard, so they end up surpassing the person who's talented like i don't know your experience around you or what do you um, think? i got like advice early in my career that like the three like golden like the tr golden triangle of like traits to have would be um creating good work which i guess goes can go you can either do that with hard work or you can do that with talent um mm -hmm. creating work on time which I would say is more related to hard work because mm -hmm. like you can be super talented and still not like do stuff in time for deadlines. Yeah. Um, and the third one is like being someone that people want to be around. Um, and that goes along with like this idea of like being a good team player and um, uh, bo like boosting other people as well as yourself um, and like plusing other people's work. Um, and just being like good natured. Um, so if you if you have two of those things, you can get a job. If you have all three of those things, you will never not have a job. Um, so yeah, I think that's. I didn't answer your question because, <laughs> but, uh, but because I think it's, it's those so three things that, that get you hired and like get you ahead rather than. Um, yeah. just talent or just hard work alone. I've seen people like mm -hmm. who will like work their butt off and like it it's I don't know, it's just like an unforgiving industry sometimes. Like you can work super duper hard and they'll just suck you dry and spit you back out. Yeah, and, and at the same time, like some people are made for certain things. Yeah, and also it's like somewhat unfair to to expect like a single parent to like put as many hours or something into a job as like a like 25 year old like single person who like that's like all they have going on. Um, and it's a shame really to say that like some people like have more worth in the industry than others based on their like outside circumstances um uh so i would say like yeah like uh like devotion i guess is like an overrated concept to me <laughs> like um what matters is like 
can you do good work? Can you do the work on time? And you, can you be a good person to be around? Like, can you make the office a better place? Um, yeah, yeah, those are the, those yeah. are the three key yeah. things. Yeah, and I'd say the last one is very important. Like, I've seen people get fired way faster by being annoying than by yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it. like, I've seen, I've seen situations where, like, a toxic personality can, like, really damage, like, whole departments. Um, uh, uh, yeah, it can be, like, it can, it, the, the wrong hire, hiring choice can, like, really... It, 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 it can have a negative effect. Um, it's that important. Now, what would you tell anyone who hasn't started game design? Like, what would you tell them before they take the leap? Um, yeah, it, start small, start super small. Mm -hmm. Start with something you're really familiar with. Um, and play test as much as you possibly can like don't don't sit on a game and then i'll really like without anyone looking at it and then just release it out of nowhere like definitely as much as you can as early as you can get people to play test it you'll learn so much about just the process you'll learn so much about your own game um you'll learn about what's important to focus on super critical is there anything you do when you're working that makes you more productive like your little thing little niche um, ironically, probably like taking breaks makes me more productive. Um, like I try to like work in like smaller spurts, um, before like, otherwise like my, if like my attention starts to like wander, then like, it's like hard to bring it back to work. So I try to like be cognizant of like when my attention's wandering and if it is just to like get up go to something else, then come back to work. Um, and then uh, the other thing too, I would say is like, I try to define really, like th this is more of like a, a trying to keep the team productive as opposed to like my own like tasks, I suppose. Um, but trying to like define really, really clear goals as much as possible. Um, because I find like the more like wishy-washy stuff gets, um, the harder it is for people to like get started. Um, so uh, yeah, I try to make, I try to make like really, really clear goals. I try to get people, everyone to like write as much stuff as they can down. Um, so they're not like the, the, the more you're sort of juggling a mental to-do list, um, that's like this kind of like mental burden that's going to distract you from focusing on like one thing at a time. So the more you can kind of like continuously empty that mental to-do list um, can kind of like clear your mind to focus on like uh, the task right in front of you. And then once you're done with that, you can go to your literal to-do list that's on paper or on a web page or whatever, and then pick another task. Um, okay. Yeah, that's my two recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if you could describe game design in like a couple words, what would you say? What's like most important to game design? Um, I would say, um, yeah. Like for me, it's it's clarity is like the biggest the biggest thing ever in game design. Is like, is it clear to the player? Um, uh, like the more the player is like trying to read your mind, trying to guess what you're expecting them to do, um, the more it's going to take them out of the experience. But the more you enable thing, the player to like understand what's going on, make everything like super clear, then they're going to be able to be like fully engaged, make decisions, um, that you're trying to get them to make, um, have like experiences that you want them to have. Um, yeah. Clarity, 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 clarity. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. And now to uh, wrap it up, I want to ask you a challenge or to give a challenge to uh, the game that TV students. It could be anything. Oh, sure. Just okay. a small thing they can do. Yeah. It could be anything. Uh, well, since I am a layout designer, um, mm -hmm. 
usually the first thing so when i was teaching at noman the first um assignment i would give everyone um would be to uh open up like a 3d game and yeah. to re recreate like a room or like a a series of rooms from like a game that you really like in like in a game engine so like in unreal or something like that um and trying to match the scale as good like as well as possible um i think that is like such a good exercise to do um because like you don't have to worry about like coming up with a bunch of game mechanics on your own you don't have to worry about like all this like burden of like all the extra kind of like stuff that goes along with game design um you have this opportunity to sort of like really clearly um kind of dissect a level and see like all of the things that sort of like go into it you can see like the way that all of their shapes interact you can see like um the techniques they're using to sort of block off the player from like certain like certain parts of the game um yeah that would be my recommendation is to like that that's actually how i got started to um when i applied to naughty dog um they uh, they were going to like ask for like a layout test um, and kind of like as I was like kind of ramping up to taking their test, um, the sort of exercises I did was like take like the original Uncharted game and like build like take like a room from it and then build it in like Google SketchUp to be like, OK, like these are like the shapes they're using. These are all the different parts that's going on. This is like kind of what their style is. Um, and that was like super valuable so that's that's my suggestion is like copy copy some levels learn from stuff that you like beautiful challenge i love it yeah <laughs> oh yeah no, that was awesome yeah and, uh, thanks for coming on it was really appreciated no so much fun learning a lot and uh yeah. we'd like to end the podcast by handing the mic to you if you want to do any shout outs and even any inspirational quote do whatever you you feel like doing and then uh, thanks for coming on Okay, well, I can do a shameless plug and say that we have a machine learning, live machine learning plugin on Unity's asset store. Um, oh, so if you, if you do want to play around with teaching algorithms how to do cool stuff, uh, it's super, super duper easy to like pick it up and like try out some machine learning stuff on your own. Uh, so that, that'll be my shameless plug. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. You can find all GameDev.TV courses at courses.gamedev.tv slash courses or in the show notes with a 10% discount. Get started with your game development journey today.